I'm Alicia. And I'm Ashley. And we are Murder Nerds. All right. Hello, everyone. We are officially in the studio. It's been a long time coming, but we're here and we're excited for what's to come with Golden Mojo. I'd like to take a second to introduce Jeremy. Hi. (laughs) I'm sure you'll hear him around here. It's his studio and he's helping us run the show. Jeremy is a longtime musician and frankly does anything and everything concerning music and audio recording. We're insanely grateful for Jeremy and we can't wait to go on this journey with him and Golden Mojo. Do you want to plug anything? People ask that. Yeah, do you, you want to plug, plug anything, anything? Jeremy? Um, yes. Uh, later this year, we'll be doing a uh, Families Helping Families down in Rochester. Uh, so you'll hear more about that later. Awesome. All right. All right, Ashley. So it was your birthday weekend in Chicago. How'd it yeah. go? Um, okay. So I don't, you guys don't know this, but we stayed up until 1 a.m. Friday <gasps> editing what? Oh, I thought you were talking about in Chicago. Sorry. Oh, no, I stayed up much later than that in Chicago. But on Friday, Alicia and I stayed up till 1 a.m. editing last week's Godforsaken video or audio. And um, I had to get up at 5 a.m. to get showered. And our train left at, um, I don't know, 9.30, whatever. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, My friend's daughter goes to Loyola, so she was, like, our guide. So we just, like, tore up the town all day Saturday and then got dinner and played games in the hotel room. And then um, those of us that could drink, we, have, we had a few people that couldn't. Um, but those of us that could, we went to a bar next door. And I got hammered and sang karaoke all night. So it was really ideal for me. I really like singing karaoke. Yeah, Lots of Celine Dion and oh, Cher. Oh, and I missed it. You did. I think there's some videos floating around somewhere. <laughs> I did see Nina post a video at she one She posted point. a video of me singing? Yes. You and I think it was Stephanie. Cool. It's the best. So. Cool, 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 cool. So, um, yeah, I didn't do anything I, at all. <laughs> I've just been purging my house and being a big loser. But, um, all right, let's jump right into this. So I originally found this week's case while looking around the Charlie Project website. Um, if you don't know what the Charlie Project is, it's a website that showcases over 1,500 missing peoples within the U.S. You can search by state and read a quick little synopsis of different cases. It's an incredible website, and I really applaud them for what they've done. This week's case isn't just one person. Um, this case includes two people who went missing at the same time. This is the story of Diamond, Bynum, and King Walker missing from Gary, Indiana. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yes, go right I just ahead. want to remind everyone that Alicia and I do not discuss our cases, so um, <clears throat> not to have a spoiler alert, but... If our cases are similar in any way, it's it's not intentional. We just we don't talk about our cases at all. So it's I didn't do your case. You're fine. Okay, you're fine. So no. Um, so yeah, this is uh, Diamond uh, Bynum and King Walker missing from Gary, Indiana. And just a little trigger warning before I start. This story does include, or it does include any gruesome details. But Diamond is special needs, and King is a baby. And I do mention human trafficking at one point, so if this story would be too upsetting for you, feel free to skip it. Um, But my sources are The Charlie Project, Medium.com, The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, 
the Northwest Indiana Times, and a couple little Reddit entries that are on r slash unresolved mysteries. Before I talk about Diamond and King, I want to paint a little picture of the city of Gary, if you aren't familiar with it. As of 2019, Gary had a population of around 76,000 residents. It lies right on Lake Michigan and is only about 30 miles from downtown Chicago. The history of Gary is tragic. It went from being known as the Magic City in the 1960s to being the murder capital of the world by the mid-1990s. It was founded in 1906 by the United States Steel Corporation as the home for its new steel plant. Gary was truly a magic city until restructuring of industrialization and competition overseas led to a drop of 55% of its population. People were leaving, businesses and factories were left abandoned, and crime ended up taking over. Gary is a skeleton of what it once was. Every other home or business is left abandoned or boarded up, and poverty has triple, is triple the national average. Crime rates are staggering 75% more than the national average. So before I go into the details about the case itself, I want to share with you what I've learned about Diamond and King. Diamond Bynum, at the time of her disappearance, was 21 years old. She's a black female, 4 feet 8 inches tall, roughly 210 to 240 pounds. She has brown eyes and black hair with gold highlights throughout it. Her last known outfit was a white shirt and blue jeans. Although she was an adult, Diamond suffered from a genetic disorder called Prader-Willi syndrome. She has characteristics including a delay in normal development, learning disabilities, speech delay, or very little developed speech. Prader-Willi syndrome also causes severe weight gain and obesity, excessive hunger and impulse control, abnormalities walking, and excessive sleepiness. Diamond had the mental capacity of comparable to a five- or six-year-old. Her disorder also caused her teeth to be severely misaligned. One of her legs was bowed badly, so she walked slowly in with a limp, and she often lifted one arm as she walked. I included all of this because you would notice when, you would notice when Diamond was around. Diamond is the aunt to King Walker. King is black, two years old, roughly feet, three feet tall, and 30 pounds. He has brown eyes, black hair pulled into locks, and at the time of his disappearance, he was wearing a blue shirt, red shorts, and white sneakers. Considering he had recently turned two, he couldn't speak very well, but he and Diamond had an incredible relationship and were always together when King was at Diamond's house. Diamond did not live alone due to her special needs. She lived with her father, Eugene, and stepmother, Suzanne, in a home in Gary they had recently moved to five months earlier. They were from Hammond, Indiana. King lived in Gary as well with his mother. King's mother attended classes in Chicago on the weekends, so while she was there, he could he would stay with his grandparents and Diamond. This was Diamond's favorite time of the week. She loved King and often thought of herself as his babysitter and caretaker. She loved helping out, helping others, and was always happy. On July 25th, 2015, Diamond's stepmother had done what she had usually done when it was around late morning and put King and Diamond down for a nap around 10.20 a.m. She proceeded to go out to the living room where she accidentally fell asleep herself. When she woke up 40 minutes later at around 11 a.m., she went to check on Diamond and King. Both were gone. Suzanne searched the home, outside, and then started looking in the streets and nearby areas for Diamond and King. Diamond had been known to quietly wander off when they lived in Hammond. She usually was in search of food, which is a symptom of Prader-Willi syndrome. In Hammond, Diamond knew where she was going since she had grown up there. She had known the routes to get to people's homes she was familiar with, or she would go to a nearby gas station. Whenever this happened, 
the community knew Diamond and would lead her back to her home, or the family was able to find her quickly. But this wasn't the case in in Gary. Diamond, and obviously King being a young toddler, didn't know Gary well at all. Not to mention, her parents had just recently went grocery shopping, and none of the food was touched, including Diamond's favorite chocolate cake. It was left sitting, completely untouched, on the counter for her father's birthday the next day. When Suzanne realized she was out of luck searching on her own, she called her husband Eugene to come home from work. He immediately came home, made another quick search, and recognized this was worse than expected. Eugene proceeded to call local law enforcement, the Gary Police Department, to report both his daughter and grandson missing. Police started going door-to-door around the Bynum's home to search for Diamond and King. They also started interviewing residents and businesses in the area and posting flyers with photos and descriptions of the pair. No one had recalled seeing either of them that day, but they put a lot of emphasis on fast food restaurants, grocery stores, and gas stations. Diamond was hungry nearly all of the time. These places are more than likely the first stop she would make if she was set to go anywhere. They believed they had a lead when employees at a nearby McDonald's notified they were seen there. But sadly, the time that they had been seen was earlier in the morning before they napped and eventually went missing. During this time in the summer, Indiana and the Midwest was in the middle of an an abnormal heat wave. This combined with knowing that Diamond had been known to hide sometimes, they thought maybe she had sought refuge in an abandoned building out of fear from not knowing where she was or to try to find a place to get out of the heat. Within a week, the Indiana Department of Homeland Security assisted the Gary Police Department by searching the abandoned buildings and homes surrounding the Bynums. Within three days, with the help of canine units, they covered every building within a 24-block area. There were still no signs of hope. Over the course of several weeks, the city had been completely covered with missing person signs. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children were able to put billboards on all the local highways in the area in hopes that someone would recognize Diamond or King. They were even able to send out a mass text to all cell phone numbers in the area giving details and descriptions of the two. Somehow, there were little to no tips that led them any closer to find Diamond and her nephew King. Police had no leads at at what could have happened or where they were, basically nothing to work off of. They started looking into sex offenders and sexual predators in the area of where Diamond lived. Within one mile of the Bynum's home, there were 21 registered sex offenders. By mid-August, police named a 34-year-old local man as a person of interest. After locating and interviewing the man, they eventually deemed he was not a suspect and were back to having no leads. Who this man was and why he was a person of interest have never been released to the public. It wasn't until September 2nd, 2015, that a silver alert was finally issued for Diamond, but not for King. Although it was stated within the alert that her nephew may be with her, King himself did not get a separate alert sent out. The family had been questioning since her disappearance why an amber alert or silver alert was not established. So here's a really sad and frustrating part of the case. When a child is missing, like you see it on social media or flyers or whatever, people always say the same thing. Why haven't they released an Amber Alert? Nearly everyone is aware of Amber Alerts. I mean, how many times has your phone screamed at you with a um, notice of a child that went missing? But do you know what actually qualifies for one of these alerts? Most missing children's cases don't fit the criteria. The criteria is established to establish an Amber Alert is strict. A direct quote from the IN.gov state website is, The child must be under 18 years old, and they must be believed to be abducted and in danger of serious bodily harm or death. 
Basically, it needs to be someone under the age of 18 that is an immediate danger by someone that has been seen doing the abduction. Considering Diamond was 21, King was considered not to be in danger because he was with his aunt. And they can't. They can't do that. That's yep. not. They don't have anything about mental, in, mentally challenged. Sorry, I will get to that. Okay, I was gonna say there has to be a clause in there about that. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating because that's what an Amberler is. It has to be an abduction, an act of abduction that somebody saw. Well, if they were abducted, so so someone had to see them and know that they... I was going to say, if they weren't abducted, they would have found them in one of those um, 24-block buildings that they searched. Well, you'd think. No, I know. (laughs) So, since no one saw them actually being abducted, they did not qualify for the Amber Alert. But this does not answer why a Silver Alert was sent out. Not sent out. Most people think of a silver alert as an emergency notification for people 65 or older, but it also is for adults with severe mental and physical handicaps that could be endangered. From what I've read and what I presume, law enforcement wasn't aware of just how severe Diamond's disorder was. I believe they thought of her as just an average 21-year-old and not that she was only intellectually as sound as a 5-year-old. They didn't see that this was what it was, basically two children that have gone missing. It wasn't until six weeks later when local efforts had diminished that they took it as serious as they did. What, what year did this happen? 2015? Mm-hmm. I'm not buying that. That's BS. Well, if it was the 80s, I would be like, okay. it's Silver alerts weren't established until 2009. So That's, that's sad. Yeah. Okay. It is sad. So as soon as the silver alert went out is pretty much when the local interest within the public and law enforcement faded out. The case was still active, but no one was actively looking at it. There were no leads and no motivation. Diamond and King's family began to take it into their own hands. They began searching through the abandoned buildings whenever they had a spare moment. Eugene, Diamond's father, never lost hope that his daughter and his grandson were still alive. By October of 2016, it was announced that the Northwest Indiana Major Crimes Task Force was going to comb through the case files again. They re-interviewed people in the area or people they knew were around the Bynum's home. They searched the buildings with cadaver dogs. They even submitted items to the Indiana Crime Lab for forensic testing. Yet again, there were no hits or tips to point them in the direction of Diamond and King. Within two years, they lost any traction within the case that they thought they, may were, they, thought they were able to find again. Did they do anything with like Chicago PD? Did they did they search in Chicago during that like the crucial Not at time? The time? See, that seems really silly to me. That would be my second thing. Would be okay, someone from Chicago, because Chicago is just a hub, you know. Yeah, I'll get into that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we always jump ahead. Well, you got you got to ask questions. Our, our wheels are turning mm-hmm. every time. So, as of 2021, the family of Diamond and King have still been making pleas to the public through new outlets. They stay hopeful, even if it feels like everyone else has given up. They have gone as far as speaking to law enforcement in Chicago, thinking they may have ended up there. They've considered hiring a private investigator to help with the case, but are hindered from getting anywhere with a PI due to the case still being considered active. Police records can't be released if they're active and under investigation. Yeah, yeah. This year, so 2022, marks seven years since they both vanished. Diamond will be 28 in February, and King will be nine in May. So what happened that morning? What could have happened to Diamond and King? 
Since Suzanne, Diamond's stepmother, was asleep, it's obviously unknown exactly what happened to Diamond and King. But Diamond's father believes he knows exactly what happened. He believes King woke up, then woke Diamond up, and King began to play a game he played often. Just like any other toddler would, he liked to be chased. Eugene thinks King took off running, ran out the door, and Diamond tried to chase after him. Considering Diamond considered herself to be his babysitter and loved him as his caretaker, this wouldn't be surprising that she didn't wake her stepmother up and thought that she could handle it on her own. If this did happen, Diamond may not have been able to keep up with him considering her own physical limitations. Or maybe they both took off together because she was looking for food or wanted to take a quick walk like she used to in Hammond. Add in that she couldn't read and wasn't familiar with the area, she could have become panicked. Maybe King toddled into an abandoned building and Diamond went to help him and they both got trapped, or a floor gave out, or they hid away and succumbed to the elements. Some other theories that would come into thought are that someone broke into the home and took them, or that Diamond's parents were involved in some way. But neither of these theories hold any water to me. There were no signs of someone coming into the home, plus 40-minute time window is awfully small to plan something like that. Not to mention, Suzanne would have heard a struggle or someone screaming. Diamond's parents not only have never stopped looking for the pair, but they also took lie detector tests and passed. Which, we talked before that yeah. lie detectors are here or there. I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. I, lie detectors are... Eh. Um. So there's really no reasoning as it being the parents' fault in any way. I ended up searching the Bynum's address on Google Earth to get an idea of the area where they lived. The house is set off the road. It's a one-way, okay? Um, and it looks abandoned now because the windows and doors are boarded up. Most of the houses are spread kind of far apart, not right next door to each other like most towns are. Yeah, that's kind of odd for Gary. Yeah. Was it like, like, like on the outer edge? I don't think so. Hmm, that's odd. It was super weird. Yeah, I'll have to give you the address. Usually, they're I don't like want to release feet their apart. Yeah, I, I don't want to release their address, yeah, but I'll yeah. give you the address and show you on Google Earth because it's kind of weird. Um, but even so, the houses that were around have a lot of overgrowth, and the lots are they're boarded up, and the windows are covered. Any businesses or buildings in the area are the same way. But right away, along where they lived, so there's a one way. Mm-hmm. And that one way crosses Highway 20. Mm-hmm. And Highway 20 leads you right into Chicago area. Mm-hmm. Which, once again, Chicago's only about 25, 30 miles from Gary. Knowing what we know about Diamond and King, that they can't communica- communicate well or at all, that they couldn't get very far on foot, especially Diamond, and that they both would have definitely be- been seen by someone mm-hmm. and been memorable. Yeah. Um, combined with the crime rates of Gary, how such a large percentage of abandoned buildings and homes have been searched, especially within a reasonable area of where they would have been and have been physically able to go, that dogs have been called in to search on several occasions, there are quite literally no leads. This makes me think there's only one explanation for this case. Really? One. I have one. one explanation. They were abducted off their own road shortly after exiting the home. That's, nearly that's what immediately. I was too. Yes. Opportunity. Yes. Yeah. I was shocked when I saw a heat map 
of human trafficking in Indiana. It made me nauseous. Northwest Indiana was completely red on this really? map. Really? Yes. It's probably, is it because it's so close to Chicago, probably? Yep. Oh, my Lord. Yep. And the crime rates in the area, it's the poverty, all of it. Northwest Indiana was completely red, and an article from the Chicago Tribune headlined, Human trafficking often goes unreported in Indiana, but it is in our backyards, our schools, our neighborhoods. I quickly searched about human trafficking within Gary, and it brought up an insane amount of searches. Man and woman face sex trafficking charges after Gary's search. Woman keeps sex slaves in Indiana, gets 30 years in federal prison. Story, story after story. Even one 14-year-old girl who was abducted in Chicago and then taken to Gary. Really? Yeah. WANE 15 even states that human trafficking is more widespread in Indiana than the available data indicates. Oh, Lord. Did you see anything? Or you were probably looking more specific to, to Gary and him. That and, whole area. But did you see anything about, like, South Bend? I did not look into South Bend. No, yeah, I probably shouldn't. Let's not yeah. do that. I know there's a lot of drug mules that go from Chicago to South Bend. Mm-hmm. It's awful, but sex trafficking, I didn't look into. I'm scared. Too. Yeah. <laughs> too close for comfort. Yeah. Well, but it's real. We, we should be acknowledged, yeah. I guess. Absolutely. I know I like to usually give a variety of ex- explanations for cases, but there is so few branches to go off of. For whatever reason, I feel in my gut these two were taken by someone nearly immediately after going outside, especially when I saw the human trafficking map. It really solidified it for me. So do you have any comments or theories, Ashley, after hearing about this case? Well, our theory is just about the same. I was thinking, okay, obviously they wandered outside for whatever reason, whether she was chasing him or whatever. Um, definitely were taken very close oh, to their yeah. home. It's it's odd to me that none of the neighbors saw anything. Well, I mean, was everybody at work? Like the neighbor, nobody was home. Not a single person, you know. It was a Tuesday. Me. I believe it was a Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, and then it was like ten, yeah, like mid morning, yeah, yeah. So ten twenty to that eleven. Well, and like I'll go forty minutes without looking out the window. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it was really hot outside. So how many people are realistically going to be outside when it's near noon? The sun's going to be straight up in the sky. Well, I feel like I would be, but that's just because I'm having the winter blues right now. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> thinking about those yeah i feel the same thing uh i don't know i mean sex trafficking is obviously like a huge it could be like a theory for Mm -hmm. sure but i mean well not even just sex trafficking just just human trafficking in general um organ Mm -hmm. uh harvesting is a thing apparently that goes on within chicago that, yeah, that goes on everywhere. I mean, yeah, but uh, Chicago is like there's a lot of horror stories that either they are or aren't true. You never know on the internet. But thinking about that, mm-hmm. somebody had to have taken them. It was a one way that led directly. I mean, it was directly the next road yeah. over was Highway 20. Yeah, Chicago is a world hub. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, at the very least, a national hub. It's it's big. It's yeah, dirty. Oh, it's so dirty. It's very dirty. I would never be able to live there. I pick up too much trash on the road, like when I'm walking. I was walking there and I was like, I couldn't even breathe. I was like, I can't even walk down the street Ugh. right now. I had to stop picking up trash. And you can't talk to anybody. They told me I couldn't talk to anybody oh, that started awful. talking to me. She said, Don't engage. Yeah, I, well, because it's scary. You never know who you're talking to. Yeah. Well, and that's the sad part with this is Diamond and King, neither of them could speak. Mm-hmm. And that's, 
I think Diamond knew one telephone number, and that was her dad's telephone number. But considering they searched a 24-block area of all the abandoned buildings, which there's 1,500 abandoned buildings within Gary, Mm -hmm. they're never going to search all of them. No. Wow. Wowza. Yeah, so I think they were abducted immediately. And Yeah, it had to be fast. Yeah. Absolutely. So if anyone has any tips, sightings, or information that could help lead the police to Diamond and King, please contact Gary Police Department at 219-881-1260. I will be posting photos of Diamond and King, including an age-progressed photo of King, on our social media pages. So please feel free to like and share anything you see on our socials. It's important that we keep these cases back into the public eye. Um, You can find our Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram, and our YouTube channel at MurdNerds. And our Twitter is at MurdNerdsPod. That's right. We're officially on video as well. Well, I guess maybe not. We're going to test it out. Yeah, we're we're testing video. We're testing video to see how it goes. If it goes well, maybe we'll post it. We'll let you guys know. (laughs) Eventually, we will have audio of all of our um, past podcasts into uh, YouTube, but it won't be video, and then we're eventually going to go to video, so it's going to be fun. Um, If you have any questions or concerns about the podcast itself or would like to suggest a case for us to cover, please reach out to us on our social media accounts or at our email, murdnerds at gmail.com. We're also working on our website. We are also working on our website. Mm -hmm. That should be out soon. Mm -hmm. Which means merch. Merd, merch. Merd, merch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So go ahead and follow, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We want to hear from you. What do you like? What do you not like? What can we do better on? Hopefully our audio is better because now we're in the studio. It sounds so crisp. It does. It sounds wonderful. So just let us know how we're doing. All right. Until next time, friends, please stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye.